0: Run Welcome back to the No Further Comments podcast, the Basketball Insider Edition. This is episode number nine. I guess this would be the Michael Jordan Olympic Game podcast, because he wore number nine in the Olympics, for those that don't know. But everybody should know that. Everybody should know all of Michael Jordan's history at this point. It's well-documented, and if you have a cell phone, You can pretty much Google anything on Michael Jordan. Now, normally we come into the show with a a Big Daddy Kane instrumental song. And for those that don't know and and are new to the podcast, Big Daddy Kane is one of my favorite rappers of all time. He's a rapper from the 80s, the late 80s, early 90s. I, I have him in my top five as far as my favorite rappers of all time. So every basketball insider edition of this podcast we come into a Big Daddy Kane instrumental song. It's usually from his solo material but in this case today we come into a song that he's featured on. The song is from 1987 and it was part of a kind of a posse cut as they called it back in the day of the Juice Crew All-Stars. It was 1987 and it featured Ace. Cool G Rap, Craig G, and of course, the great Big Daddy Kane. Let me tell you, Craig G, for those that don't know about Craig G, Craig G um, is from New York considered amongst many in the underground, I think, hip hop world as one of the great freestylers, battle rappers, um, writers in hip hop music. and I would say a lot of people are familiar with uh, Eminem's 8 Mile movie, and those battle scenes that occurred in 8 Mile are are legendary. Well, Craig G was part of the writing team that wrote those battles with Eminem. So Craig G, definitely a legend. This song uh, was part of the Cold Chillin' Record label. and For those that that are hip hop heads, you're probably laughing because Cold Chillin' Records was was, uh, was pretty popular and famous back then. And this song sampled Otis Redding's Hard to Handle. Some might say, who's Otis Redding? And that's and shame on you if you don't know who Otis Redding is. But shout out my dad, Bob Meacham, for having such an extensive record collection when I was growing up. I mean, I heard The Beatles, The Who, Kiss, Lionel Richie. Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, I could go Charlie Parker, I could go on and on with the diverse music I heard as a child. So, a lot of Otis Redding's material I'm very familiar with because I grew up listening to it and Hard to Handle is definitely one of Otis Redding's great tracks and this song, The Symphony, samples that. It's a great video too, by the way. If you ever get a chance, check out The Symphony, the, the, the music video. I mean, it's classic like late 80's early 90's hip hop uh, videos now listen I've said this before I'm working really hard and I promise you one day on this podcast we will have Big Daddy Kane as a guest even if it's a call-in that's fine Big Daddy Kane will appear on this show one day one day now I've sent out a bat signal, different people I know, and I think the message (laughs) has gotten to Big Daddy Kane. He knows about this podcast. He's going to be on here one day. All right, so let's transition. Let's talk a little bit about social media. Uh, For those that follow us on Twitter and IG, it's at NFC Podcast. If you have any recommendations as far as who we should have on the podcast, uh, any topics we need to cover, please give us a shout. A lot of people say, hey, you need to get so and so on here, you need to talk about this, I want to hear your take on this. Yeah, Please keep that coming. Uh, For those that want to follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Alex underscore Meacham. That's M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook, Alex Meacham, and I'm on Snapchat, every young person's favorite social media outlet. Big BigMeach41 is my Snapchat. All right, so listen, this is gonna be a little bit shorter of a podcast. I've got two topics that I wanna cover. Now, this topic I'm gonna to cover first with high school hoops is gonna to lead to some college discussion which will then segue into some NBA discussion, so it all kind of intertwines. So I wanna talk about one of the top high school basketball recruits in the country young man named Darius Baisley who attends Princeton High School here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, Darius, I believe, was born in Boston and he moved here to Cincinnati, but he he spent most of his high school, I think all of his high school and most of his early stages of basketball here in the Cincinnati area. And he's improved so much as a high school basketball player from his freshman year to his senior year um, that he garnered a lot of attention from colleges. Ohio State was one of the first to offer him. He committed to Ohio State, but then when Thad Mata was let go, he decommitted from Ohio State and then committed to Syracuse. Here's where things get interesting. All committed, set, ready to go to Syracuse. He decides to decommit again Remember he decommitted from Ohio State, he decommitted from Syracuse and he's going to enter his name in the NBA's G League draft. He is the first high school player ever to enter the NBA's G League draft. For some of them don't know, the G-League, the G stands for Gatorade, um, it's changed. It used to be the D-League, which is the NBA's developmental league, but through sponsorship it became the G-League. And the G-League has a draft, and it usually occurs in the fall time, and there, there are four rounds, I believe. There are four rounds, and the first round has 27 picks, so I think there's a total of about 108 picks. Now, I don't know where Darius falls in line with where he'll be selected. I would assume with the hype and everything around him he probably will be a first round pick in the G League draft. So this brings up the conversation. What's, what will this do for the future of basketball for young players? Okay, So you've got a young high school player. He might not want to go to college, he might not want to play at the college level. His dream is to play in the NBA as soon as possible and and right now there's a rule that out of high school you need to go to college for one year and then you can enter the NBA draft. There's an age restriction based on that. So will players start going to the G League out of high school and will they start looking at playing overseas professionally out of high school getting their experience there and then jumping to the NBA. So let's, let's look at the difference between the two. So, you've got the G League. And in the G League, and I'm hearing they're raising the money a player can make per season, and I'm, I'm not quite sure what they, what they ended up with, but let's just say it's around $40,000 would be the highest salary for a season playing in the G League. Let's look at overseas. Let's say you go play in Lithuania, like the Ball Brothers, right? We know the Ball Brothers story. They're playing in Lithuania. In some cases, depending on the level that you're playing, the league you're playing overseas, you can make tax-free six figures. So let, let, let's look at the math. So you could go overseas, play in the top league, make six figures. Or you can play in the G League and make maybe 40000 a year. So the math tells you go overseas, right? Well, I know players that play in both, the G League and overseas, and I've talked to them about you know, why, why one more than the other, or vice versa. So th- this is the breakdown that I got. The G League, of course, you're not getting as much money, however, you're one step closer to the NBA. I'll give you a story. Sean Kilpatrick, who played basketball for the University of Cincinnati, um, I think his last stint here right now in the NBA is with the uh, Chicago Bulls. Um, He just finished up the season with them, and I'm sure he'll return to the NBA next season. But Sean has gone on a very uh, interesting path through the NBA. He's been to a lot of teams, had some um, 10-day contracts, and just just, he's had a... um, It's it's been, I I I can't remember what Sean called his his unconventional path to the league and, and getting a contract. But if you rewind back a little bit, Sean played in the G League, okay? So the story goes, he's getting ready to play in a G League game on Wednesday night. So he's preparing in the morning, getting his stuff together, and he gets a call. The G League team he's playing on, the NBA team that's associated with that particular G League team that Sean's playing on, has called him up because they had some injuries. They needed a shooting guard. So Sean, all set to play in a G League game on Wednesday night, gets in the car, drives to the NBA game. He drives, doesn't know many of the players doesn't know the coaching staff very well, doesn't know the plays. But he plays that night. Actually does pretty well. So that was one of the things that got him in the league. All right. So if you take the chance of playing in the G League for less money, you're one step closer to being in the NBA. And for most of these guys, listen, Darius Baisley's goal, dream, is to play in the NBA. These guys are shooting in the backyard as nine-year-olds, hoping and wishing to play in the NBA. So if you can play in the G League and you're one step closer to the NBA, some of these guys want to do that. Whereas some guys say, you know what? I want to go over here and make some money. So I'm gonna go play overseas. I'm gonna make six figures. Okay, I might not be one step closer to the NBA. Some of those guys in the G League are closer than me. But I'm making six figures and if you're playing overseas and you, you find your way with the right team, the right league, you could play for 10 plus years. End up with a cool couple million dollars. Tax-free. So there are benefits. There are advantages to both. Now, I truly believe <clears throat> excuse me, that Darius Baisley has changed how people will view their decision out of high school. The question is, is it, is it good? Is it good for basketball? And I think it is, because I think the structure... Of basketball right now the NCAA and in youth sports for the game of basketball is not structured the right way to benefit these athletes and I'm gonna dive into a little bit later some comparisons with other sports and their players going professional but before I get to that I want to talk about um, In the future, I think the NBA changes the rule. I think you'll be allowed to go from high school to the pros. I think that rule will change. When, I don't know, but I think it will. I think you'll start seeing more high school players decide to not go to college and to play in the G League and to play overseas. If you remember Brandon Jennings, uh, former McDonald's All-American, uh, very good player, went overseas, um, then made it in the NBA. He chose that path. So I think you're going to start seeing more and more players choose this path in the future. Now you look at it and you say, okay, now if you've got all these great players, so you've got guys that are skipping college and they're going to play in the NBA. You've got guys that are skipping college and playing in the G League and overseas. Who's left to play college basketball? Well, listen. There are a lot of very good players. <laughs> I'm on the AU circuit. I'm out watching AAU games every weekend. I see these players. There are tons of players and talent out there. College basketball isn't going to change. Listen, college basketball is, they bill it as a coach's game. Here's what I mean by that. So if you turn on ESPN and there's a big game, they say, Bill Self's Kansas Jayhawks versus Bob Huggins, West Virginia Mountaineers. They put those coaches as the headliners, right? So as long as you have those star coaches, and with all this NCAA, FBI stuff, there's gonna be some changes there, but that's a whole another podcast. But as long as you have these star coaches, college basketball will always exist, always will remain, the NCAA tournament will always be one of the most popular sporting events in this country. But you might not have the same player. Okay listen, we never saw Kobe. We never saw LeBron. We never saw Garnett. There were tons of players that we never saw in a college basketball uniform. However, the game of basketball at the college level has always been very attractive, a great game to watch. So I don't think it's gonna hurt the college game. I think it will benefit the players more if more players decide to go to the G League, decide to go overseas, decide to enter the NBA out of high school. Now, listen, there are gonna be some guys that make mistakes. You know, there's been plenty of stories and documentaries on guys that have left high school and um, decided to pursue the NBA, and it just didn't work out. They didn't go to college. And that's going to happen. But I think you'll see more success stories than those tragedies, if we want to call them that. So that leads me to transition into looking at other sports versus basketball. And I've, I've said this, and this, this, is, this is a big issue that I have basketball players for whatever reason have the microscope on them more than any other sport now you you might look at football in some regards but i think the football systems a little bit different but basketball players are constantly criticized and scrutinized for the decisions they make and Think about this. All of a sudden America cares about the education of these student athletes. Like I find that, I find that very interesting. Like all of a sudden fans and people care about LeBron's education. Kobe's education. Both are doing pretty well. And listen, I am not, I'm not saying that Kids shouldn't go to college. And I'm not um, taking a shot at a college education. I think it's very important for the majority of the world. Obviously, Kobe and LeBron are in the minority in regards to, to that. But it's like we criticize basketball players. Why? Let's look at tennis. Nadal. Federer. Agassi, Serena, Venus Williams. What college did they go to? Think about that. Let me let that breathe. Nadal, Federer, Agassi, Serena, Venus. I'm naming some of the top players. Tell me what college they went to. Tell me what high school they went to. What high school did Andre Agassi go to? You don't know and you don't care. Serena Williams turned pro at age 14. Nadal turned pro at age 15. Andre Agassi never made it past 8th grade, like maybe a ninth grade education. But yet they aren't scrutinized and have a microscope on them like basketball players. I don't hear about Federer's education. Nadal's education. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I'm I'm a tennis buff. I'm a fan of tennis. I like tennis's system better in a lot of ways on developing their players and getting their players to the professional level. I actually like their system. Huge tennis fan right here. Baseball. Let's look locally. What college did Pete Rose go to? and do you care? Pete Rose signed a Major League Baseball contract out of high school. Never went to college. He went to West High High School here in Cincinnati. Never went to college. Had a tremendous, obviously, Hall of Fame. You know, that's a different podcast on Pete Rose and Hall of Fame, but Hall of Fame career. Greatest hitter in the history of baseball. I can go on and on with baseball players, Ken Griffey Jr., I could name, I'm just naming two local guys and I just don't feel like the microscope is the same. I think the system is different in those two sports which allow less criticism, okay. So my, my point would be what Baisley's doing and I believe in the future what other athletes will do as far as skipping college, going to the G League overseas, straight to the league will change I think some things as far as them looking and reevaluating how youth sports operates, how the collegiate system operates, and how the professional system operates involving the game of basketball. And I think all of them need to be evaluated, I think they need to be questioned. I think that uh, there's a lot of fair criticism for, for, for all the levels. That, that we can do better for, for these athletes. So that transitions me to talk about, this is a hot topic right here. I want to speak about someone that went pro out of high school and, and, and many right now are saying that this guy is the GOAT. The GOAT meaning the greatest of all time. For those that don't know, people often say the GOAT. You see GOAT on Instagram. You see it on Snapchat. You know, the, they call everybody the GOAT now. He got the little GOAT emoji. Most don't know that LL Cool J, all right? And for the young people, LL Cool J was a rapper. He's one of the youngest rappers in the history of music. I think um, he's the youngest I think he's the youngest rapper to ever get a, a recording contract with a major record label. I believe Curtis Blow was the first solo artist to get a major contract, and, and L.O. Cool J was the youngest to ever get one. Could be wrong, but but testing my hip-hop knowledge right there, L.O. Cool J had an album called Greatest of All Time, Goat. He's one of the guys that, I'm not sure if he was the first to say it, but Man, he popularized it with that album. So we talk about the GOAT. So LeBron James is who I'm talking about. LeBron James went straight from high school to the pros. He's 33 years old. He is currently in his 15th season. At an early age, LeBron James was called the king. He was crowned King James before he even turned 21. Before he turned 20 before he turned 19. I've got a quick story. <clears throat> so I'm playing college basketball. I'm playing for the University of Cincinnati. And um, this was in the 90s. And there was, a, there was a gentleman named Frank Jesse who was working for the University of Cincinnati in the basketball department. And Frank, uh, Frank Jesse, I call him Frank now, but Coach Jesse, I should probably call him Coach Jesse. He'll always be Coach Jesse in my eyes. But he tells me to call him Frank. I, I still have problems with that. Coach Jesse was great to me, and he was, being a walk-on at the college level is, is not easy. So people watch college basketball, and they see walk-ons get in in the last second, everybody's cheering, and the walk-on shoots a three, and the whole place, you know, is throwing popcorn in the air and all that stuff. That's, that's the glitz and glamour. What you don't see is all the work that goes in prior to that. What you don't see is the 15 games the walk-on didn't get in previous to that, 30 seconds they got in that one game. So being so my point is being a walk-on is, is tough. It's mentally draining. Being a high level college basketball player is physically and mentally draining. Okay? I'm not I'm not even that the two are not even comparable. Walk-on and a full scholarship athlete. Being a scholarship high-level player is mentally and physically draining. Being a walk-on is mentally draining more than anything and Frank Jesse was a mentor to me. He always kept me upbeat and was very positive with me when I was a walk-on at the University of Cincinnati and I was sad to find out that Coach Jesse was leaving the basketball team and he took a job um, up north at a high school in Cleveland. So I see him one day, and Coach Jesse said, hey, I'm leaving, I'm gonna be uh, the athletic director at a school in Cleveland. I said, okay, congrats, cool, shook his hand, didn't even ask him what school. So <clears throat> the college basketball season starts, we're about three or four games into it, and Coach Jesse comes to one of our games. So I see Coach Jesse, I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, great, man, you need to come up and check out one of the high school games up in Cleveland. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely will do that. And he says, all right, cool, I'm gonna I'm, I'm hold you to that. So about three more games pass. Coach Jesse shows up at another one of the Bearcats game, home game. And I see him. We're talking. He's like, man, we have this kid. He is really good. He's going to be special. And I said, okay. He says, you need to come see him. And I said, what's his name? And he tells me his name. I said, "Mm, never heard of him. So shortly after that, I look on Sports Illustrated on the cover. And there's a high school kid, the chosen one, LeBron James. And he's playing for the high school that Coach Jesse is the athletic director at. So I reach out to Coach Jesse. I said, this is the kid you're talking about. He said, I told you. He goes, man, it is crazy around here. Just to get to a game, he goes, I tell you to come to a game now, but... They're so packed; it's it's a zoo. Long story short, I never got a chance to watch LeBron James um, while I was in college when he was playing uh, for St. Vincent-St. Mary for for Drew Joyce, and uh, I mean, he had a great run. My high school, Roger Bacon, still the only team to to beat LeBron James in the high school um, playoffs in Ohio, so I can always hold that up. But f- from from that point, that I'd say that Sports Illustrated cover really changed the game for LeBron. I mean, it made him a household name. You know, they're calling him King James. And he was crowned that at an early age, which is unfair, right? It's all part of this new age of marketing people before they're even famous, just with the assumption that this could be the next great kid. Let's crown him King James. Let's start marketing him now. And if you look at it, has there ever been a player in the history of sports, I'm not talking about basketball, I'm talking about sports, that has been given the label that LeBron James has been given at an early age, the expectations. All these people want, 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 want. You're going to be the greatest. Have we ever seen a player live up to that the way LeBron James has? In his 15th season this year at age 33. And in my opinion, he's playing his best basketball in his career. I, I'm convinced of that. And I'm not sure of statistically how this year matches up with his best year prior, but moments, and I'm going to talk about moments shortly, but moments this year have been the best moments in LeBron James' career. Now, listen. LeBron James has made a ton of mistakes during his professional co- career, just like many athletes have. I don't think he's made major mistakes that have become um, stories in the, in the um, uh, CNN and just, just like drama and you know him doing stuff that was just against the law. I mean, he's just made athletic mistakes, um, the decision being one of those. Uh, Some people say he quit on his team in the playoffs. He's made those mistakes, um, but that's part of being young. That's part of the, the maturation process. But fast forward to this season. He is leading a Cavs team that is below average. This is a Cavs team that I could probably get some spot minutes on. Like, seriously, like, and that's 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 a commentary on how bad this Cavs team. I could probably spot up in the corner and do what J.R. Smith does occasionally. This leads me to the GOAT discussion. Back to LL Cool J's album and, and the, the phrase that's so popular now. This the, the the phrase that's thrown around way too much, calling everybody the GOAT. You have a great game, GOAT. You make a good album, you're the GOAT. You do something spectacular, you're the GOAT. And during this playoff, GOAT has been thrown around a lot with LeBron. And I think now more than ever, it's become a discussion. I don't think any player in the past has entered the GOAT discussion the way LeBron James is. Now listen, we can go back. We can rewind to Kobe. I still, and I think many people will tell you that Michael Jordan is better than Kobe. Kobe's, the Kobe Bryant story is written. Michael Jordan is better than Kobe in my eyes and many people's eyes. LeBron James's story is still being written. We're still watching that story. Now, I can, I can give you... All these ridiculous stats to why LeBron is not the GOAT. You could give me a ton of ridiculous stats to why LeBron is the GOAT. If you watch ESPN you you know they throw the most ridiculous stats on TV to sway opinions and create controversy and discussion. I mean they, they've I, they, they had some stat up the other day it was just ridiculous. I'm like what research team like really found this and 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 figured this out. Just just ridiculous. But I don't want to talk about stats. Let's throw let's throw stats out of the window because I think stats tell you part of the story. Stats are very important. And and, and I think when you when you discuss Michael Jordan and LeBron, statistics are a part of that GOAT discussion. But I want to throw stats out right now, okay? This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about moments. I think moments are what defines you. When you're in crucial times, clutch situations, when you have great moments, that's what makes you the GOAT. And when you can maximize, when you have multiple a lot of great moments in crunch time in on, on the biggest stage you put yourself in the goat discussion okay so let, let, let's just let's just talk about michael jordan and i'm sure i'll miss a bunch of them but when he was 40 years old, he played with the Wizards. He had a block against the backboard. That was just absolutely amazing. That was a great moment where people just said, a 40-year-old just blocked this player against the backboard. I think they were playing the Chicago Bulls at the time. It was just tr- a tremendous moment for Michael Jordan. Um, the shrug he had uh, against the Portland Trailblazers, which was a result of him, uh, I believe, breaking the three-point record at that time for most, most threes and you know that was a moment and he did it in the playoffs he did it in the finals um, 63 points versus the celtics at boston i believe that's still a playoff record that was a moment and during that 63 point performance he did the between the legs move on larry bird a great moment The Craig Elo shot versus Cleveland, the flu game, the shot versus Utah, I go on and on. Michael had consistent moments in crunch time. Now, see, the thing is, like, Michael, Michael had a lot of great moments, but not everybody saw those. Because who's watching the Bulls versus the Milwaukee Bucks in 1992 at Milwaukee on a Thursday night? Regular season game, eh whatever had amazing plays that game the bulls utah jazz the finals crucial game six people are watching that they're expecting greatness that's what's made michael jordan the goat for a lot of people and particularly myself now let's look at lebron james now lebron james obviously has a lot of great moments and i'm not taking away from that my issue is that LeBron James has not had the amount of great moments that Jordan has had in crunch time. Now LeBron is building that resume. This playoff, he's had game winners. Two in particular. Raptors and the Pacers. Those are great moments. He's had great moments. A dunk on Tim Duncan. Uh, the game winner versus the Magic. Uh, he had dunk on uh, Jason Terry. Um, He had to block in the 2013 Finals versus uh, the Spurs. So he's had great moments, but he needs more. And the more he gets, the more he enters the GOAT discussion for me. So, LeBron's story is not over. We're still watching this movie. We're still reading this book. And... Listen, I I, I work and deal with a lot of young people in, in the game of basketball, and every young person wants to tell me that LeBron's the GOAT, all right? And of course, I get worked up, I get fired up and all that good stuff, but listen, at the end of the day, I think we should hold off on the GOAT discussion. I don't think LeBron is the GOAT yet, but I think when it's all said and done, it's worth a discussion. I'm actually excited that this generation has a player that one day now, but one day in the future will have the statistics, will have the great moments that can be discussed as the GOAT. Listen, LeBron has about three to four years left to play, I believe. Now, I'll tell you why. That Now, listen, he spent close to $1.5 million on his body this offseason, and I don't know what he spent in the past, but I'm sure he'll do that moving forward. But he spent all this money on nutrition and, and uh, mobility stuff and just keeping his body in great shape, and it's shown. In his 15th season at age 33, this is his best season, in my opinion. Now, I think he's got about three to four more years, and I think he could be one of the first athletes that walked away from the game on top. Like, it's time for him to go. Like, after his maybe third or fourth year, it's time for him to go in his eyes. But people still say, you could play probably a couple more years, right? Because of the way he conditions and he keeps his body in line. But I truly believe he's done a great job of lining himself up with other ventures outside of the game of basketball, and I think he'll want to then transition into those things, and I think he'll make a smooth transition. I mean, the blueprint's there. The blueprint of what Michael's done, what Magic's done, and now what Kobe is doing, the blueprint is there for LeBron, and he's taking advantage of, of that blueprint. I just love that this generation has someone like a LeBron right now. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to parallel this to hip-hop music. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Jay-Z fan. I think Jay-Z is the greatest rapper of all time. I can statistically break down why he is. I can musically break down why he is. And you can't tell me anything different. However, there is one rapper... When somebody brings him to the table, when we discuss goats, and I'm talking Jay-Z's the goat, if somebody brings one rapper to the table, I go, you know what? Fair enough. I'm going to let you hold that one because that rapper right there in, in my eyes can be considered the goat. And that is Tupac. So I truly believe Jay-Z's the greatest rapper, but when people bring up Tupac, I'm cool with that. I don't argue that. I say, you know what, fair enough, let's leave that alone. I truly believe when it's all said and done, I will always think Michael Jordan is the GOAT. But three to four years from now, when someone says, I think LeBron James is the GOAT, I'll go, okay, fair enough. Michael Jordan is my Jay-Z. LeBron James is like Tupac for me. Both are great. Both are very different. Both are very different players. Both both are very different artists. Both live in great spaces. So I'm going to leave on this. I'm asking the basketball community. Let's enjoy LeBron James. Let's enjoy these next three to four years. Let's enjoy the great moments. Let's enjoy the great things he's doing off the court. Let's enjoy him being a great father. Let's enjoy him building a great brand. Let's enjoy LeBron mentoring the next generation of players coming up in the game. Let's hold off on the GOAT discussion. And instead of debating who's the GOAT, let's just enjoy greatness right now as a basketball community. Now I know it's tough when you get ESPN and different media outlets feeding you statistics and then you know, putting up a picture of Michael Jordan and LeBron, it creates debate, it creates hate, oh I can't stand LeBron, I'm not watching him. You know what, forget all that. Let's enjoy these next three, four years of what LeBron is doing. Because his time's going to end and the next generation is going to come The Ben Simmons. Obviously, KD's is a great player. There are a lot of great players in the NBA that are going to step in and I think fill that void when LeBron leaves. But for now, let's enjoy him while he's playing. While he's playing at a high level at age 33 in his 15th season. We've just not seen anything like that before. Somebody playing at that level, at that stage of the game. And last thing I want to leave you on is players develop in different ways during the process of their career. You see players physically develop. Michael Jordan obviously went through a transformation. Kobe went through a transformation. LeBron has gone through a transformation. As far as the body type, the way you look, keeping your body in shape. But you also go through a a maturation process in which you become a smarter basketball player on the court. they say that the more and more you play, the game seems slower. It slows down. You're able to see more things, right? And I think LeBron physically... Is at that highest level of, of maturation, of understanding the game. Physically, he's, he's on another level. But I think the third piece that we're starting to see is that killer. And that's something that Michael always had, and that's that killer. So there's that triple threat, those three things that are starting to come together. And some will say, oh, it's been there. But I I will argue that we're seeing it now more than ever. And I'm going to leave you on this, let's enjoy it. Let's sit back and watch this ride. And when the time comes, we can have that discussion. Who's the GOAT? LeBron, Jordan, Tupac, Jay-Z. We're going to leave out listening to a little Big Daddy Kane, of course, with the symphony. And I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode, of the No Further Comments podcast, the Basketball Insider Edition. We'll be back uh, very soon. And what I want to do is I want to jump into the world of AAU basketball and talk a little bit about the positives and the negatives of AAU basketball and a lot's made of AAU basketball and what it is and what it stands for. And I'm in that world. I've been in that world 17 years. I've seen it all. I've seen O.J. Mayo. I've seen LeBron James. I've seen Derrick Rose. I've seen all those guys. So I want to bring in a couple guests, and we're going to discuss that. But until then, let's enjoy the rest of the NBA playoffs. Can we do that? <laughs> let's, let's watch LeBron. I think he should make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's just watch the greatness. Appreciate everybody listening. This is a Joe Rogan.